Good morning. I don't know, the calendar can be a funny thing. It's been, I think, just over 10 years since Christmas Eve and the fourth Sunday of Advent fell on the same day. Yet I think it will be almost 10 more Over the next 10 years, I think it happens two more times. So while we're only hours away from celebrating the birth of Christ and all the celebration and lights and gifts that go along with it, I wanted us to take a few minutes and for us to ponder God's gift of the Incarnation. For it does begin with today's Gospel, as we hear Mary's ultimate yes to the angel, who tells her that she carries a child who will be called the Son of God. God takes on flesh. He makes the movement towards us, reminding us there is no separation between each of us and God. It's God's ultimate affirmation of God's abundant love for all of us. Love so great that God comes and walks among us. But for what reason? Some theologians will immediately point to the end of this story, the crucifixion, and that Christ only came here to solve a problem and to die for our sins. Other theologians will say that any problem that may have existed was solved on day one with the birth of Christ. And that by just focusing so much on the end of this story, we miss the core message of the depth and the breadth and the meaning of incarnation. God so loves the world, loves you and me, that God continually comes to us. That God came not to teach us about kingship, but rather kinship. And if we miss that point, I think we miss the central thread that weaves through all of Christ's teaching. For if we had just extended this morning's gospel a couple lines, the prominence of kinship would have been evident. For right after Mary's yes to be the mother of the Christ child, her first action is to immediately head out in haste to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who's also with child. Mary's focus was on kinship, And in that encounter, Mary describes that the child she carries, the incarnate God, will cast down the mighty from their thrones and lift up the lowly. He'll fill the hungry with good things and the rich will be sent away empty. Seems a time that we live in a world where many rather adapt and conform and restrict and limit everything so it comfortably centers on them. Yet it's clear from the start that this incarnate God enters into our midst with the aim to upset the status quo. As we, Jesus is always widening the circle of compassion, dismantling the barriers that we put up to exclude others. He stood with the sinners and the prostitutes and the lepers, the outcasts, the unclean, lifting up the lowly and filling them with good things. This, my sisters and brothers, this is what kinship of God looks like. It means being part of God's embrace and getting off our thrones and entering into kinship with each other, not kingship over each other. With the incarnation of God, it would seem God's not interested in being a God up there, wherever that may be, but rather a God who's among us, encouraging us to delight and to never lose hope. Never lose hope. And that's a message that needs to be echoed throughout. 
as our parish and community over the past months have seen how lethal the lack of hope can be. Father Greg Boyle is a Jesuit priest who spent decades ministering to those who have lost hope, living with the gangs in Los Angeles. Father Greg's founder of Homeboy Industries. It's a nonprofit that provides job training and tattoo removal for the newly released from prison and former gang members who they fondly call homies. The LA-based group helps more than 10,000 people a year. His first book, Tattoos of the Heart, spent years on the bestseller list. And finally, his long-awaited latest book has come out, Barking to the Choir, which is a must-read, I think, for everyone. In the introduction of that book, this is what Greg writes. Kinship is the game changer. It is the pearl of great price. It is the treasure buried in the field. Let's sell everything to go get it. Yet we think kinship is beyond our reach. Yet gospel kinship always exposes the game. It jostles the status quo in constant need of conversion because the status quo is only interested in incessant judging, comparison, measuring, scapegoating, and competition. And we, the choir, are stuck in complacency. See, it's through the connectedness of kinship that in a time when our world lays in sin and arrow pining, that we can recognize the incarnate God to allow our soul to feel its worth. Greg tells the story of when he and three homies were invited to the White House by Laura Bush to speak at a conference on America's youth. This part of the story picks up on the flight home after a successful visit. And one of the homies, Alex, he handles the tours back at Homeboy Industries in L.A. during the visits by guests. Covered with tattoos, he's undergone some 37 surgery with like 90 more to go to remove them all. So while in flight on the way back home, Alex says he needs to use the bathroom. So Father Greg points him to the back of the plane. Some 45 minutes later, Alex returns to his seat, and the conversation goes like this. Okay, Paso, did you fall in, Alex? Oh, Alex says with his signature innocence, I was just talking to the lady over there. I turn around, and I see a lone flight attendant standing in the back. Alex winces a bit. I made her cry. I hope that's okay. Well, Alex, I brace myself. That might depend on what you actually said to her. Well, Alex begins. She saw my homeboy industry shirt and all my tattoos, and well, she started asking me a gang of questions. He pauses with a whiff of embarrassment. So I gave her a virtual tour of our offices. So indeed, at 34,000 feet, Alex walked this woman through our office, introduced her to our job developers, explained our release program, and handed her goggles to watch the tattoos being removed. And I told her last night we made history, as for the first time in the history of the country, three gang members walked into the White House, and we had dinner there. I told her the food tasted nasty. <laughs> he pauses and gets still. And then she cried. 
Well, I got still myself. Well, mijo, what do you expect? She just caught a glimpse of you. She saw that you are somebody. She recognized you as the shape of God's heart. And sometimes people cry when they see that. Suddenly, kinship, two souls feeling their worth. Flight attendant, gang member, 34,000 feet, no daylight separating them. Exactly what God had in mind. Indeed, I think this is what Mary had in mind when she said yes. I think this is what God had in mind when God came to the world in flesh. I think this is what St. Paul had in mind when he wrote that we are to pray always. For all of that is kinship. It's all about relationship, not requirements. It's all about being connected, not about being corrected. It's living a life not settling with a partial God, but to live in the incarnation, to bear fruit from Mary's yes, to be open to an expansive, ever-living God, and to allow our soul to indeed feel its worth. So as we bring our Advent to a close, may we be open to the transformation we all need by realizing our union with God is found in the depths of everything, especially in our wounds, our failings, our faults, and our losses. God's right here, right now, always and forever, regardless of any achievement or performance on our part. Always present, always loving, lifting us up and filling our hunger with good things.